I'm going to take a drink real fast. So one thing to know about me, I tend to talk way too fast, um, just kind of natural habit. Two, I am pregnant right now, and when I'm pregnant, it's really hard for me to breathe. So um, <laughs> talking fast and not being able to breathe can be a problem when you're trying to talk to people, right? So, um, you know, it's an incredible thing whenever we simply listen to the voice of God and allow him to spark what he's saying and what he's doing in a place. And there's something about when his words are spoken, that faith arises in your heart to just respond to him. And I want to encourage you, I was always so discouraged <laughs> when I was a kid, and I would sit in an audience, or I'd be in a prayer line, like in a prayer line, and all of these people would be either called out and ministered to, or I'd be in the prayer line, and it's like prophetic word, prophetic word, prophetic word, and they'd get to me and be like, Jesus loves you, prophetic word, prophetic word, and I'd be like, God, are you kidding me? Like, I am right here, like, begging you, like, say something, and he's like, Gabe, just listen to me for yourself, and I'm like, I am, but I want them to tell me what you're saying right now, Um, and so I want to encourage you that if you're in that place of, God, speak to me, why aren't you speaking through someone to me? Just listen to him, because he knows what you need better than anyone else can know. Um, He knows what your heart is, and just like, I don't know anything with any of these people I just talked to besides, like, I know a couple of their names. Beyond that, I don't know really much about them, but yet when I listen to the voice of Jesus, what happens is I can become attuned to things that only he knows that are found in his presence, and so that's the same thing that the Father desires for you is that you attune your ears to hear him. So tonight, we're going to talk about an awakening, As I begin to pray and just meditate on God, what are you saying for tonight? I feel like the Lord said that there needs to be an awakening in hearts. That there's God-given dreams that you need to reimagine and allow him to re-spark within you. Now he says there's some things that have lined dormant, and I'm saying it's time to take a charge forward. No more excuses, no more stepping back, no more saying I can't do it, but instead leaning in and saying my God's faithful in every circumstance. And so tonight, I want to lean into what that looks like. And one of the first things that the Lord challenged me with in it was in order to step out on God-given dreams, you have to know what God is saying about those dreams. You have to know his voice. And a lot of times, I know Pastor Zach, even last week, talked about the number one question he gets, and I know the number one question I've always heard, is how do I hear the voice of God? And it can be confusing for many people. And yet it's so simple to hear our Father's voice. And so I want to start off, before we go super deep into anything else, and just talk about how we hear the voice of our Father. To hear the Father's voice simply means that I stop and I listen. And that can look different for everyone. So for me, when I hear my Father's voice, um, it comes through, it sounds like my own voice in my head. And that used to confuse me when I was a kid because it was like it should be this like booming like I am God sort of voice. And instead it's like Gabe's like voice and I'm like, yeah, this is cool. This is Jesus. Um, And it sounded nothing like I thought it would. And yet it was him and I knew it was him because it edified me. It exhorted me. It was in line with his word. It was in line with his heart. And it was showing me things about myself that there was no way I could know. And so what the Father wants to do is minister to you where you're at. So for me, most of the time, that's words. So I'll say when I'm delivering like a 
word to someone else, I'll say, I see this. But really what I mean is I'm hearing this and it's painting an image in my mind that I'm seeing now. But I always hear in words. For some people, when the Father speaks to you, you'll see a picture. Before your eyes, you may see a picture of something. You'll have a vision of something. And that's one way that he speaks to you. He speaks to us through his creation and what's around. If we're attentive to what is going on around us and not distracted and living in distraction constantly, we'll hear his voice in those moments. He says, all creation declares the glory of God. So we can hear him there. He'll speak to us in our actual dreams, when we're sleeping dreams. Those are ways that he speaks to us. And so there's multiple ways that we hear the voice of God. But the biggest thing is just simply being childlike and saying, I'm going to listen. And I wish that there was a young kid in here that I could just pull up on stage with me because there's an amazing thing that happens in a kid. And that is that they haven't been told that they can't do it. All they know is the reality of what God says is true. And so when you say, you can hear the voice of God, listen to him, what is he saying? They'll listen and they'll immediately begin to tell you what he's saying to them, what he's showing them, what he's ministering to their heart. And that same thing, that childlike place is where God wants to take us back to of dreaming with him and being with him. That we imagine what he says to be true and we actually listen. And so I want us to just take a moment right where we're at. And for some, this will feel very awkward. And that's okay because I'm like really good with awkwardness. I used to be a third grade teacher and like wait time is a really big thing when you ask a question and no one wants to answer. And so you sit there for like ever waiting for someone to like raise their hand or answer. And I was totally cool with that. So that does not intimidate me. It does not make me feel awkward. So awkward moments are totally cool with me if you feel awkward. But I want us to just take a moment before we go too deep in anything. And I'm going to give you one minute. So that's not very long amount of time. So I may almost do two minutes. We'll see what I'm feeling. And I want you either to take out your phone or your device that you have with you, or I want you to take out your notebook and your pen, whatever you have. And I want you to simply ask the Father, Lord, I'm listening. Speak to me. And we're going to listen to him. And I want you just to write down what he's saying, what he's ministering to your heart. If you see a picture, write down that picture. Whatever you see, whatever you hear, I want you to be faithful to write down what God's saying. And if you're still saying, there's no way I can hear his voice, if you know Jesus, if you've made him the personal Lord and Savior of your life, you can hear his voice because only by the Spirit of God can you be drawn into salvation. So you know for sure you've heard him accurately one time in your life, if nothing else. So this is going to be the second time if you've never heard him since then. Okay? So right now I'm going to give you, like I said, a minute, two minutes, and we're just going to do something a little off the wall And I want you to just write down what you hear the Father speaking to you. Ready? Go. All right, so we're going to stop there. So how many of you can say you heard the voice of your Father? Just now you heard him. You wrote down something. Awesome. You know, if you look around the room at this moment, there's people in tears and that sort of thing. And what's awesome is when we connect with our Father We come into alignment with what he's saying and all of the things of the flesh and all of the things that have distracted us fall away and we're just face to face with our king who sees us far greater than we could ever imagine. 
And so it's awesome when we get to align ourselves to that. And when we awaken ourselves to hear his voice, dreams come alive within us. And so I was thinking about this process of when I was teaching, I was talking to my husband through just what I was going to minister about and where I was at, and he was asking questions, which is always a good thing for me. Um, And so he asked a question about like a kid, and I began to tell him a story of one of the students I used to teach that just amazed me. And she had this dream within her. So I taught third grade. She had this massive dream to become a fashion designer someday. That was her goal in life. And every single day, she would have a stack of papers that were blank at the side of her desk and her little colored pencils. And when she finished her work, she would immediately go to it and she would begin to design outfits. And every single time she'd bring it to me and like, Miss Smith, which was my last name at the time, what do you think about this? And I'd be like, ooh, that's really cool. And you know, I may not do that color. Like, why did you choose that color? And we'd have conversation around it. Oh, okay, like I see the uniqueness of that. That's very cool. And so we'd have conversation and she just kept doing it. Then she got a sewing machine a little bitty one, and her grandmother started teaching her how to sew. And she would come to school, and she had sewn little dresses and outfits for her dolls that she had designed. And so she'd show people in the class, look what I designed. Look what I did here. And it would be like, man, Drew, that is awesome. Like, that is so cool. You are going to be an amazing fashion designer. And every part of her knew she was going to be successful at being a fashion designer. It never entered into her mind that she's from Tishomingo, Oklahoma, and maybe a fashion designer, like, can't come out of Tishomingo, Oklahoma. Like, it's too small. There's not enough opportunity. It didn't come into her mind, family money, and the money it takes to be a fashion designer. It didn't come into her mind that, man, like, I don't have enough training. I don't have the ability to do this. Instead, she had a dream in her heart, and she just said, I'm going to do it. And everything I did was say, absolutely, you're going to do it. You're going to fulfill what's in your heart to do as long as you keep steady at it and you keep moving forward. And so we had an end-of-the-year thing, and some of the students that had reached a certain level were invited over to my house, and we had a party together. And she took all the girls into my closet um, and all my jewelry and shoes, and they, she picked out all their outfits, pieced together the jewelry, put what shoes she thought should go with it, and they put on a fashion show for all the rest of us to see. And, I mean, they looked a little wonky and a little odd, and it really wasn't cute at all. But you know what? It was like, woo, yeah, fashion show. And she did what any designer would do at the end of the fashion show. She walked out behind everyone, was expecting people to applause for her, like, I just designed all this stuff, right? Um, She dreamed without limitations because no one told her that she couldn't dream. No one told her that it wasn't practical, that it wasn't reality, that she needed to get her head on straight and dream something more practical. She just believed what was in her heart was something she could accomplish and do. And what God wants to do within us is take us back to that childlike dependence on him that just says, if you say it's possible, God, I believe it, and I'm going to step into it. Amen? I want us to go to Luke 1. We're going to look at verses 26 to 38. So this is the account of Mary and the angel coming before Mary. And it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. 
confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how could this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. The God-given dreams within us don't always make a whole lot of sense to anyone else. Okay, how many of you know it does not make sense for a virgin to become pregnant with a baby, right? Nothing in the natural makes sense, but when God says it, what I do is I align myself in faith and I say, be it unto me according to your word. That I'm gonna believe what you say beyond anything else I see. And yes, there's some practicalities that we're gonna walk out together in this process, but the beautiful thing is when I'm hand in hand with him, it's easy to walk out those practicalities because he's showing me every step of the way how to step and where to go. And so God wants to take us back to that place of that dependency on him. And as I was reading that scripture of Mary, he also reminded me that the gifts that he's placed within us, those dreams that are within us, that there's some that have been in that place of almost like Elizabeth, that you feel like you've been barren for so long, that you haven't dreamed and you haven't been able to see straight at all. And he says, just like with Elizabeth, that the miraculous happened with John the Baptist um, and that she conceived at an older age, she conceived after years of being barren. He says, I am birthing within you new hopes and new dreams so that you can step out in ways that I've called you to do, that you can step out and awaken the things within you. To awaken the dreams that God has within us, it first starts with us realizing we can hear and we can respond to his voice and we can be confident in what he says to be true. That nothing else has to take our attention but what he says is accurate and right. You know, I was thinking through when Jesus performed the miracle of the loaves and fishes. He blesses the loaves and fishes, but like in the physical, you don't see any change. It didn't say miraculous loaves and fishes just dropped from heaven, nothing. Instead, the disciples were faithful to say, okay, what do we do now? We follow what he said and we distribute it. And as they distributed it, what happened was it multiplied, and they had more than enough where they had leftovers in the end. And what God wants to do is take the dreams within your heart that you say, there's no practical way to do this. Great. Use the little you have and distribute it, and watch me meet you right where you're at and use it for my kingdom. There's multiple categories that I feel like people in the room tonight fall into. So there's some of you tonight that says, I have never had a dream from God. I have no clue what that would be. I don't even remember a time in my life where I dreamed at all. And for you, I just want to encourage you that all it takes is what we've talked about before. You just listen to his voice. You know, he says the gifts and callings that he has on your life are without repentance. They won't change. 
And so you can be confident, and when you listen to his voice, he's going to tell you something audacious and out there that there is no possible way you can do on your own. And that is awesome, because he is strong in your weakness, and he will meet you right where you're at. And so if you're one of those, lean into what we just did. Lean into listening to his voice and say, God, I'm going to hear you clearly, and I know that you're faithful to speak to me. He speaks to us through his word. Get in his word and study what he's saying. And those things that stand out to you, allow him to spark those things in your heart even further. But then there's a good portion of people in here tonight that your dreams have been abandoned. That you've had dreams and they seemed so big and you've let fear take you out of the race with it. That that fear of I can't accomplish it It's way too big for me. I have no physical ability to do this. Like the knowledge of God, if you don't show up, I'm toast, is there. And so you just decide to step out of the race yourself because it's just too big. And I can tell you on a practical side and an honest side, that is an area that I have struggled with many times. So there's a dream in my heart that God has put there for as long as I can remember, and that's about writing books. Okay, so I'm going to be totally vulnerable and honest with you. I am probably the worst person when it comes to grammar that you can imagine. Okay, when I was in school, like, I would turn in a paper thinking I was going to get, like, the beautiful response of, like, you're so amazing. And it would come back covered in red and looked like it had, like, a bloody massacre. Okay? So, like, I was not talented at this at all when it came to the grammar side of things. And my teachers would always be like, man, you have so much to say you just like have no clue how to say it correctly. And I'm like, I know. But all the while, there was a dream in my heart that said, no, I know what God's put within me is to write. And it's to do more than that, but part of it is writing. And writing is a big piece of what he's put within me. And many, many times I've sat down and he's had a book that actually in 2016, which was the year before I married my husband, which is awesome, um, he told me to finish a book that I wanted to finish while I was still single. He said, finish it by the end of 2016. I'm like, yes, Lord, we're going to do that. High five, Jesus. And then at the end of 2016, I'm like, I got plenty of time. I'm still single. And of course, I hadn't finished it. I'd only written a little bit because I constantly went back to, I'm not qualified. I can't do this. I have no ability within me to sit down and write something that anyone wants to read. No one's going to want to read this. No one's going to care about it. It's going to be a waste of my time, a waste of my energy, and I must just be missing God because seriously, like, it's just not right. So I let fear take me out. Well, 2017, the first day of 2017, Kim, my roommate at the time, were in our house And we always celebrate the new year by ringing it in, by worshiping together. And in that process, the Lord spoke to me very clearly and said, by the end of 2017, you'll be married. And I was like, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, and laughing at the same time because no one was around, right? End of 2017, I'm married. And all of a sudden, this book that I wanted written, now there's like a million other excuses of why not to do it, okay? So we get married, and I'm like, we're newlyweds. I don't need to be writing a book. Like, I need to be embracing the moment. Like, this is great. And so it was a beautiful excuse to not follow the dream because fear had already told me I couldn't do it. 
So now I'm just building excuses that make me feel more comfortable with the fact that I'm saying no to what Jesus has already told me to do. And so then in 2017, 2018, um, we get pregnant with our first child. And I'm like, I'm pregnant now. I definitely can't write a book. Like, who has time for that? Like, I'm just trying to breathe. And so, like, Jesus, it's not going to happen. Like, it's just really bad timing on your part. So, yeah, see, you, you are laughing at me, but you know you do the same thing. It may not be this example, but you do it. And so you say, no, 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 I'll wait until he's born, and then I'm going to have bukus of time <laughs> to write a book when I have a newborn. It's beautiful. And so I have this newborn that I'm home with for maternity leave, and I'm like, yeah, that ain't happening. I'm sleeping, and I'm taking care of this baby that wants to eat all the time, and, like, he stinks half the time, but he's, like, so smiley and cute, you just can't help it, and so I'm like, Jesus, we don't have time to write a book right now because I am very focused on I've got to love the family you've given me. I've got to sow into them. When my husband gets home, he needs me. He needs me to make sure I'm all in on what you're saying and doing, so, like, there's no time, no time. I'm distracted. There's no time. We're just going to have to wait on that. So then time keeps going, and we become pregnant with our second child. So what does that do again? Oh, I'm pregnant. I can't write a book right now. That would seem insane. I have two kids now to take care of. It's impossible. What are you going to do, God? You're going to have to wait, right? And yet, all in that process, all that you've done is you've stepped out in fear And said, fear, you're my God. You're my king in this moment. And nothing else matters to me besides the fear that I feel because I'm so disqualified from what I know and what I've seen that I can't even begin to imagine a world where this would be good. And so I'm going to just take myself out of the race instead of being disappointed. Instead of stepping out and saying, okay, God, you're faithful and you're going to meet me. And if I leap, then you're going to catch me. I don't have to fear falling because you've told me to do it and you're going to be there in that moment. Instead, you take yourself out of it and you say, I'm fearful, I can't do it. You say, I'm not qualified, I'm not prepared, I'm too old, I'm too old, I can't do it anymore. Life has gone by too much, no one wants to hear my voice anymore, no one even cares what I say. Like this generation doesn't even care about me. Like I come in, no one even notices I'm here. So like my time's basically over. No, no. It's not. You're just not listening to Jesus right then. Amen. You're listening to the flesh. I'm too young. I can't do it yet. I'm too young. No one will listen to me. No one cares what I have to say. I'm like too much in the middle ground. I need to be older or younger for people to really think I'm hip and cool. Okay? So there's millions of excuses, but each one of those are motivated out of fear that says you can't do it because it's beyond you. But let me tell you something. When it's beyond you, it's beyond something you could ever hope, think, or imagine. That's a beautiful moment for God to show up in your weakness and say, look how beautiful I am. Because, Gabe, when you write books that sell and that people actually want to read, and they're grammatically correct, probably because I'm an editor, um, people are going to read that, and your past teachers are going to be like, this has to be Jesus, because I've seen her. Or your Facebook friends will be like, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, you're moving because we know Gabe can't write, right? So the dream in your heart, you're cultivating with the Father, and you either say yes 
to what he's saying and doing, or you disqualify yourself and you live miserably saying, why can't I step out? Why do I feel stuck all the time? Why do I feel like everything you've put within me is like lying there dormant and no one sees it? It's because you haven't been faithful to awaken that dream within and say, fear, you're not my God. God is my God and he is faithful in every situation. Amen. So I want us to go to Judges, chapter 7, and we're going to look at verses 9 through 15. So this is um, Gideon, and he's already divided out his army. He has this tiny army now of men, which is a whole story in and of itself. Um, And it says, that night the Lord said, get up, go down into the Midianite camp, for I have given you the victory over them. But if you are afraid to attack... Go down to the camp with your servant, Pura, I guess. We'll just pretend that's the name. Listen what, to what the Midianites are saying, and you will be greatly encouraged. Then you'll be eager to attack. So Gideon took Pura and went down to the edge of the enemy camp. Pause. God tells him, go and attack, and you're going to have victory. But if you're still doubtful, if you're still fearful, go into the camp. Go listen to what they're saying. What does he do? He was obviously fearful and doubtful. He went to listen. But he still followed what the Lord said. The armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east had settled in the valley like a swarm of locusts. Their camels were like the grains of sand on the seashore, too many to count. Gideon crept up just as a man was telling his companion about a dream. The man said, I had this dream. And in my dream, a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the Midianite camp. It hit a tent, turned it over, and knocked it flat. His companion answered, Your dream can mean only one thing. God has given Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite, victory over Midian and all its allies. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship before the Lord. Then he returned to the Israelite camp and shouted, Get up, for the Lord has given you victory over the Midianite hordes. You know, in that story... Gideon had his doubts. He had his moment of, "Mm, I don't know if we can win this. But he listened to the voice of his father that said, listen to what they say. And God had already spoken to them through dreams. And in that moment when he heard what God was saying, he believed it in his heart so much so that he went back to his camp and said, we're going to win it. Nothing in the natural had changed. He still had a small army. He was still underprepared in the natural. But what changed was his position of belief in what God said was true. And he believed what God said was true and said, we're going to take the land. And the story continues on. They, of course, defeat um, all the people. And it's a beautiful story for Gideon and for that army, that they're dependent on what God said. And so the dreams that are within you, you've got to begin to not only look at them, but say, God, I'm, I'm kind of afraid. And he is perfect with that. I'm afraid, but I'm going to be faithful to do what you said And I know that you're going to show up and you're going to move and you're going to break through the walls that have held me bound. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11, it tells us he knows the plans he has for us, that they're plans for good and not evil, plans to give us a hope and a future. The plans and the calls that he's put on your life, just like we said before, are without repentance. They're not going away. And so you get the moment to just reawaken those and say, I'm going to come in alignment with your word, and I'm not going to let fear and things cause me to abandon the dream and walk away. 
So there's some tonight that say, hey, I've dreamed, and I stepped out, and it epically failed. And I hear the Lord saying in that, as I was just meditating with him, he says, your dreams and things that are surrendered to me are all about timing as well. So Moses stepped out in what God had put in his heart, but his timing was off, and he had to step back a little bit. And so if you've stepped out in a dream, and you feel like it failed, you know what? It's okay. The Father says, I lift you back up, I put you back on track, and I say, it's time, take this step. And so as you take one step of obedience at a time, he's preparing the ground for you to run. And the dreams that are in your heart, they do have timing involved, but there's seeds and there's process within that. So when the dream in my heart is to write, but if I never pick up a pencil and write anything, or if I never type on the keyboard to write anything at all, I'm not being faithful to steward the dream within. But as I do small things here and there that cultivate that dream within, now each time it just becomes a little bit easier to sit down and say, okay, all right, Lord, I know you speak to me and you're going to show up and you're going to do something. And so what God wants to do for those that feel like I stepped out and like it didn't work out, it was either timing or just epically fell apart, but I still know that it was God, then it's time to go back to the Lord and say, God, you're going to reawaken that dream within me, but this time I want your plan 100%. And there's a real enemy that really likes to resist what God has put within you. I'm convinced the moment, the biggest resistance that you have, that greatest resistance is right on the other side of the greatest dream and impact that God has for your life. Amen. He has more for you, and the enemy resists that because he sees what's within you greater than you can see it. You know, all the distractions that I faced with writing had nothing to do with Gabe's ability, but had everything to do with the enemy is terrified of what happens when a person says yes to what Jesus has put within them. And so when you feel that resistance, you say, I'm going to push forward, and if I get knocked on my back, then I'm going to stand back up and say, all right, we're doing this again. I'm going to be stronger this time and press in more because I know who my God is. And so if you feel like your dream has been just demolished in that process, keep leaning in. There's one more area I want to talk about, and those that say, I've had dreams in my heart, but they just kind of lie dormant. Like, I don't think about them. I've kind of honestly, like, almost forgot that they existed because I've just spent so long ignoring it. And I want to share with you a dream that I had many years ago that when I was preparing for this, the Lord brought to my mind. And it was a dream of, um, at the time, my man was laying on this beach, and he was literally just shredded open. So, like, skin pulled away, organs hanging out, blood everywhere. And I get a call, and they're like, Gabe, he is shredded. Like there is no hope. And I'm like, I'm on my way. And so I run down to this beach with my sister Tiffany. And we look at this man who I knew was my man. And we obviously weren't married at the time. And I just put my arm underneath his head as an arm pillow. And I just began to speak to him. And I told him, hey, you're going to live and you're not going to die. You know what? God is in the miracle working business. He can fix this. He can bring blood back into your body. He can pull over the skin and whatever else is needed. I don't know what's needed, but he does, and he's going to fix this. And all the while, I saw just rolling through my head all the voices of what everyone else was saying. 
Everyone else was already, he's still breathing at this moment, but everyone else is saying, ah, poor Gabe, she's never going to be married now. Our man just died. Poor Gabe, he was taken too young. He was about to propose. Poor Gabe, like her dreams are crushed and gone, and they're gone forever, and there's no hope. And I'm like getting more and more frustrated because I'm looking at him and he's still breathing. As long as he's still breathing in some form, I'm okay. And then I also have the thought, if he stops breathing, my God resurrects the dead, so we're fine still, right? So I'm staring at this and I'm telling him, you're going to live. You're not going to be in pain anymore. And my sister Tiffany is looking at me. She's not going to contradict what I'm saying, but you can tell in the face, like, she's crazy. Um, Sort of, look, is happening. And so we pick him up and we take him to a new location because the beach really wasn't super conducive for this sort of situation. And so we take him to a new spot and all I do is I kneel beside a bed and I just continue to pray over him. And I just continue to tell him, you're going to live and you're not going to die. Our God is a miracle working God and I don't know what all has to be done. I don't know what happened to get you here, but I know what's going to get you out of it and it's only God. Doctors can't take care of it. No one else can, but he is awesome. He's going to do it. And so I began to just continue in that process of prayer over him, began to just pray in the spirit over him, and he fell asleep. And as he slept, I continued to pray in the spirit, and all of a sudden, I fell asleep. And when I woke up, I looked down. Of course, his chest was exposed. I looked down, and everything was back to normal. There was no blood stains anywhere. There was no shredding and tearing, anything. Every part of him was restored. And I was so excited, and I was like, yes, like, look what Jesus did, and like freaking out that I woke him up, and he's like looking at me like, what in the world is wrong with you? And I'm like, you are healed, and this is miraculous, and like, God is so crazy good. And the Lord reminded me of that dream, and he said, there's people in here that your dream has been so, uh, like, left to the side, so dormant, that it's like that shredded man, that it's so shredded open and bleeding out that it's like everyone around you has already acknowledged that the dream is dead. Like, they're like, it's gone, it's finished, like, sorry about your luck, moving on. And instead, what the Father has called you to do is to look at that dream in this moment and say, you will live and not die. You will be restored not only to full capacity, but better than you were before. That what the enemy tried to steal from me in circumstances, whether it was through myself or others, I'm not going to see the circumstances, the problem. Instead, I'm going to speak to the problem and tell it how good my God is. And I heard the Father saying that tonight, he's restoring dreams that have been long lost. He's restoring hearts that have said, I can't do it long enough until the point that it was shredded and it was hopeless. And he said, I take those dormant things And I breathe life into them. And when I breathe life into them, they do amazing things. And they go further than you could ever take them. You know, I was reminded today um, of a friend of mine that is an author. And um, she's actually my favorite author of, like, fictional books. And before she published her first book, she was rejected in the process of four years. Forty-five times. Forty-five People told her, publishers said, no, we don't want to publish your book. This is trash. No one will read it. 45 times. So, like, most of us would say, like, one time, ah, this stinks. Two times, three times is pushing it. Four times. By the time we get to 10, we're like, obviously this wasn't Jesus. I'm out. Like, this dream is not meant to be. And yet 45 times she said, God, I know what you've put within me. 
and I'm gonna stay faithful to it and someone's gonna see it and be like, this is worth it. The 46th time she goes to someone, they're like, why hasn't anyone picked this up? We're picking it up. They produce her book. It goes on the bestseller list and she wins tons of awards based on that book that she wrote, her very first one that she started when she was 12 years old. The dreams that God has put within you, it doesn't matter what people say is dead and it's hopeless and it's worthless and no one wants it. No one cares what's within you. No one cares to hear that dream. Would you be quiet, you dreamer? Instead, what God says is keep pressing because I'm opening doors that you can't even see yet. And when the enemy is attacking, you just keep moving forward and knowing that in that forward progression, I'm breaking through boundaries. I'm connecting you to the right heart and the right people and the right moments. You know, there's some of you that have dreams for this community. That you have dreams of helping with foster children and foster families. And you say, God, you have created me in a unique way to bring a solution to something that looks crazy and odd. And yet everything in you says, I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how it would work. And all God's looking for is you to just say yes to him, and he'll give you the roadmap and the plan to do. You're going to take one step at a time. You know, I think of Michelle, who stepped out years ago and said yes to what God was saying in the mission and stepping out in that has been a process of faith, a process of a dream revealed and a dream obtained. But every step that she took got her one step closer to impacting an entire community of people. When we say yes to God, we're not in control of the timing. What we're control, in control of is our positioning. My position is always in faith, knowing what he says is true, stands above all else. So I want to just read to you a quick word that I heard the Father talking and just speaking over us tonight. And I heard the Father saying, I give you freedom to dream again. Sons and daughters, arise in the freedom I have given you and take the land. The land of your callings, giftings, and passions are waiting for your surrender so my kingdom can be recognized here and now. Fear won't get you where I've called you to go, but faith will. Press through the fear and take a step. It's time to tune your ear to my voice. What is your desire and what is in your heart to do? If you're seeking his kingdom, the desires in your heart will be transformed by him to look like him. And so you can step boldly knowing this is a desire for him, from him, for his people. So I want us just all to take a moment. I want you to just close your eyes right where you're at. And if you're here tonight and you hit in one of those categories, either I've never dreamed before, I've dreamed and I've abandoned it through fear. I've dreamed and it's lied dormant so long it just feels like it's shredded. I dreamed and it failed. And you're in a place where you say, God, I need you to not only reawaken and reimagine the dreams within me, but to give me one step to take. What's the one step I can take in saying, I'm going to say yes to what you're doing? If you're here and what I've been saying tonight has sparked something within you that you've said, oh, like this is what I've been waiting for. This is, I didn't realize that I was saying no to what God was doing, or I was letting fear control me, or I was just ignoring his voice, and so I couldn't even hear what he was saying. If anything that we've talked about tonight, about dreams being awakened, has ministered to your heart, and you feel like that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you're at? Amen. Those that are raising your hands, I want you to just put your hand on your heart. Father, we thank you, God, 
that you didn't plan this message for those that aren't here. You planned it for every single person that's in this room. And so, God, I thank you that tonight you are reawakening hearts to the freedom that's found in dreaming your dreams. Father, I thank you that where people can't see the dreams you've had, that they've become so confused and so distracted by the world around them. The idea of dreaming with you seems impossible. That, Father, you're reawakening their heart to dream again. That we go back into that childlike place of surrender before you. That I just believe I can do it because my daddy says I can. So, Father, I thank you tonight that there's freedom in this place. God, I thank you tonight that there are sons and daughters coming so aligned with your word that this community is going to be so impacted and changed by your presence and your goodness that nothing can stop the forward progression of what you're calling them to do. God, I think you, I hear you saying that there's business dreams in people's hearts that have laid dormant because they know nothing about business and they feel disqualified from it. And you say, I'm going to teach you, I'm going to pair you with the right people that can show you how to walk this out, but it's time to take a step forward and just say, okay, I'm in on it. If you're in a place right now, not just with that one, but you say, there's dreams in my heart and I don't know how to do it, and you're kind of confused, I just want you in your heart right now to say, I'm in. I'm in. Yes, Lord, I'm in. That regardless of what it looks like, regardless of the obstacles in front of you, you're just dedicated to I'm all in. I'm not stepping back. I'm not letting fear control me anymore. Father, we thank you that the dreams that have been shredded open, that seem hopeless and dead and worthless, that, Father, you are bringing new life to those dreams tonight, Jesus. God, I thank you that not only do you bring that resurrection life to it, but, Father, right now in the hearts of people, I just speak that there's a stirring in their heart, that the dream doesn't get off their heart and mind. They're so awakened by the dream you've placed within them that they have to move forward on it because if not, they're just going to be so frustrated because they're living with something other than what you've called them to do, which is to dream big and to step out. And so, Father, we just release freedom to step out in this place tonight, to say yes to you and step out in what you've called them to do, Jesus. God, I thank you for those that have been so distracted by fear, that have been so controlled by fear that they couldn't even see the road ahead of them, that every excuse in the book was there, whether it was age, whether it was timing, whether it was position, whether it was their abilities, their qualifications. Father, I thank you tonight that you're giving people the ability to see through your eyes what you call them to be, that, Father, they see through your eyes the beauty that you've placed within them, the beauty that only you have created within them uniquely to display your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven in a beautiful way, a representation of Jesus on earth. And we need, I just hear the Lord saying, we need the dreams that are within you so that we can see Jesus as he is here on earth through you. That there's a part of seeing Jesus that we're missing because you're not aligning to what he is and what he's done within you. But as you align to that, we see Jesus in new ways. There's going to be fresh revelation for people's families. I just hear the Lord saying families are going to begin to be changed and transformed as you step out in dreams because they begin to see Jesus and they no longer see you. So, Father, I thank you tonight. We step out of the way. We step out of the way and we just say yes to you, Jesus. We say yes to what you're doing. We say yes to what you've stirred within us. And we know, God, that you're going to take us further than we could ever hope to go on our own. That, Father, where hope has been deferred and made the heart sick, I thank you that right now, Father, you're stirring hope and reawakening hope in hearts that says there's not only hope here, 
but we're going to move forward, and we're going to move forward quickly. What took years before is going to take just moments with me and in my presence. So, Father, I thank you tonight that you are moving on hearts and in lives, and that, Father, we just as a surrendered people are thankful that you allow us the ability to dream big with you. You allow us the ability to be used by you in mighty ways, far beyond what we can imagine or think, Father. So, Lord, I thank you tonight that we've surrendered ourselves to your voice, to your goodness, and that you're going to continue to do mighty things in each one of us. That we don't leave here and go back into the old pattern of we're stirred and then we just go backwards because it's too hard. But we're leaning in and we're saying yes to all that you have for us, Jesus. So we thank you for it, Lord. In your name, amen. Amen. How many of you are blessed tonight? Amen.